As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Sans Pants Radio, life is a mystery. Hey guys, what are you doing on the 24th of September? Nothing? Good answer. Come see Sans Pants Live. We're performing at the Eureka Hotel in Richmond, Victoria, Australia, Earth. Doors open at 6.30, we're on at 7. Uh, it's free entry, and for all of you 14-year-old listeners, all ages, how good. Come see us live. We promise to be at least mediocre. Hey girls, do you like reading, but you don't want to seem like a nerd? Uh-huh. And you want to seem dumb so the guys will find you hot? Uh-huh. Well, go to audiblefreetrial.com forward slash radio, and that way you can get a book pre-read for you. Ooh. A special treat so the boys will still think you're a dumb slut and no one will know you're a nerd. Welcome to Plumbing the Dust Star presents Movie Maintenance, where some films just need fixing. Today, we're looking at Hannibal Rising. Okay, Hannibal take it away. This is, this is your baby, right? <laughs> I'm assuming. Hannibal Rising. You know, that, that, that this film with a horrific and totally earned reputation. But the thing about Hannibal Rising that struck me quite recently, and this is probably all in the light of the amazing Brian Fuller TV show, which is just my favourite thing there has ever been, ever. Wow. That's correct. No, ever. it's, a, it's no, a, no, just ever. a correct statement. Yeah, no, no, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 I agree. No, good. Better than the film Hannibal Rising. Maybe. Better than the film Hannibal Rising. What, what could possibly <laughs> be better than Hannibal Rising? Um, I had this uh, moment recently where I was saying to a friend, like, if I... If I find out that I've got like a week to live and say that some genie turns up and says, Gabe, you've got a week to live. And in that week, you are allowed to choose one item of pop culture that is impending to consume before your death. And so this was before Hannibal, uh, Hannibal season three had started. And it was like, so it could be Star Wars The Force Awakens. It could be Jurassic World, which at the time was still uh, coming out. Sure. It could be um, the last two books of Song and Ice, of Ice and Fire. It could be any of those things. I was like, Hannibal season three. Mm. Like straight away, Hannibal season three. If I, if I die before Hannibal season three, fuck my life. It was totally <laughs> worthless. That's how excited I was for Hannibal season three. But um, 
Like, in the sort of time between Hannibal Season 2 and Hannibal Season 3, I reread all the novels. So when I was, like, 14, I discovered, like, a battered old copy of, um, like, an omnibus edition of Red Dragon and Science of the Lambs and, like, consumed them at actually 13, which was totally not the right age to read those things and probably <laughs> no. explains a lot, but fuck it, I had a great yeah. time. And, like, reread them so many times over the years. Um, love all the movies. Quick question. Is, is, are they written in order? No, Rising was the last one written. Sorry, no, I mean in terms oh. of, was Red Dragon written before Hannibal? Y- yes. Because that movie was initially made first as well, wasn't it? Not, the, not the second Silence? version. No, Man- Man- Manhunter was made first. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, um, so Manhunter was made in uh, the 80s, yep. which is Red Dragon. With Brian Cox. Um, with Brian Cox yep. and uh, William Peterson as Will Graham. Um, Science of the Lambs was 91. Um, Hannibal was 2001. Ridley and Scott, then Ridley yeah. Scott, and they remade Manhunter as yeah. Red Dragon in 2002. Red, Red, then Red. Hannibal Rising came in 2007. Yeah, cool. Um, which was Peter Weber with Gaspard Yuliel as Hannibal. Um, but, like, you know, these just so these are my favorite things. I reread all the books recently, and, like, I reread the first three, and then I kind of held off on Hannibal Rising. And then it kind of got to the point where I was like, nah, nah, I need a fix. And I was like, I ran into somebody who was like a, a Hannibal big, crack addict. <laughs> I'm a Hannibal crack addict. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just am. And I was... Talking to someone about the TV show, I met a guy uh, at work, actually, who is as big of a Hannibal fan as I am, believe it or not. A fanable, yeah. And so we sort of just, like, debated it voraciously while I was meant to be serving customers for, like, about half an hour, literally half an hour. I checked my watch. <laughs> and, um, and I kind of mentioned something about Hannibal Rising being really shit. A line just and, forming. And he was like... And he was like, no, man, you know, the thing about Hannibal Rising is, like, I'm still in the world. I'm still having a good time. Like, you know, what more can you, what more can you want? And I was that like, man is wrong. But I thought about it and I was like, actually, yeah, because I was like, like, you know, the Hobbit films are terrible movies, but I love Lord of the Rings. I love those characters. I love that world. I'm passionate about that world. I cried at the end of the Battle of the Five Armies and fuck you all for, for the looks you're giving me right now. But I don't the point know what is, that like, reference is. Like, I, just, I, I love the franchise that much. And it's like, I, I accept that they're shit films and I accept that Hannibal Rising's garbage, but like, it's still part of the universe. I'm still mm. going to enjoy it. But it's a terrible fucking book. That, that book was written in conjunction with the movie. Is yes. That right? um, now, that's, I'm going to explain a little. This is why I think Hannibal Rising was shit. Um, and this is a true story that actually happened. Cool. Um, so Manhunter was made in the 80s, as we talked about before, to re- uh, produced by Dinah De Laurentiis, um, the cinema world's greatest hack. Um, De Laurentiis... <laughs> Sucked in, that guy. I don't fuck know. that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. But basically, he sold off the rights to the Hannibal Lecter franchise after Manhunter flopped. Manhunter is a big cult hit, but financially made no money. So Manhunter flopped. It's a brilliant movie. It's almost as good as Science of the Lambs. I love the shit out of it. But um, watched it again recently. Fucking awesome. But um, anyway, so De Laurentiis, it's so 80s, but in the best way. And, um, a lot of synth? What's very 80s? A lot of synth. A lot of synth. Oh, well, the final showdown happens to uh, Inagata De Vida <gasps> with like that booming while Francis Dollarhide's like shooting cops with shotguns. Mm, and excellent. like, it's awesome. It's great. Um, I see this film. But like, but it's actually like a really dark, atmospheric, moody film. Like the scene between <clears throat> um, Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham, mm. like with Brian Cox, compared to like Red Dragon with all like his, you know, orchestral, like, orchestral gothic music and all that, like in the sort of dripping dungeon where you can pretty much smell it as you watch it. Like Manhunter eschews all of that and it's like, like completely white perspex, like glowing sort of really small, like uh, claustrophobic cell where it kind of feels like there are no shadows. And so it actually makes it that much more terrifying because like you see Will Graham kind of like sitting in there across from like this guy who gutted him, who almost drove him insane. Mm. And it's like, there's nowhere to hide. There's no shadows oh, to hide in. It's okay. just he's completely exposed. And Brian Cox doesn't play Hannibal as like the sneering, hissing Anthony Hopkins Hannibal. Mm. He plays him completely deadpan. 
like just really cold. And everything he says is just monotone. It is so beautifully and creepy. Like it's so it's no terrifying. Emotion. Is it better? Because it's better for what it is. Like okay. I would say for Brian Brian Cox in The Science of the Lambs, I couldn't see. Because yep. in Science of the Lambs, he's more of a charismatic character. Mm. Yeah. In it's very Red, Exactly. And, and yeah. in Red Dragon, the novel, Hannibal Lecter is the boogeyman. Because Red Dragon, Hannibal's in two scenes in the mm. book. Yeah. And the whole point is that, like, Will Graham is this cop who can think so much like a serial killer that he's terrified that there might be some of that inside him, which they completely got rid of for um for the film Red Dragon and kind of made uh, no, Edward Norton this really boring yeah. character. Yeah. And I don't get it because that was why Will was so interesting. Um, but, like, in Manhunt, they completely play him that way. So, like, you know, when uh, he sits down there with Hannibal and Hannibal's just completely cold and just, like, and the, there's no, like, there's no emotion in the dialogue between them. It's just, like, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth until the end where uh, Hannibal, who's, like, completely controlled, starts, like, taunting Will a little bit and sort of, like, saying more and more things to him, like, asking for his home number and all this stuff. And Will just freaks out and Will just kind of yeah. gets up and he's, like, starts banging on the door and Hannibal just starts screaming at him. And he's like, you want to know how you caught me, Will? You want to know how you caught me? You caught me because we are just alike. And Will's, like, banging on the door, like, sweating and losing control. The door opens. Will runs out. And there's a line earlier where Hannibal says to him, you know, you came to look at me to, cut, to get the old scent back again. And, like, as Will runs out, Hannibal, like, yells after him, you want the scent? Smell yourself! And you're like, oh, shit. And then you get, like, this long sequence of Will just running, like just running down this spiral staircase out of the prison, like, you know, with like this sort of like buzz of music and he's like sweating and losing it. And it's, it's so good. Like it really illustrates like how much of a toll this is taking on this guy to step back into this world and back into this mindset after everything that's happened to him, which the movie Red Dragon, the later one, didn't do at all. But I digress. Dino De Laurentiis. <laughs> right, yes. Um, so anyway, Manhunter's amazing, but didn't make any money. So De, De Laurentiis sold the rights. He was like, nah, fuck it, there's no... Oh, he didn't sell the rights, but he pretty much let MGM make Science of the Lambs. He was like, there's no money in that, fuck it, you can have it, it's not going to make any money. Five major Oscars later in a huge box office, mm. De Laurentiis was like, oh shit, I should have hung on to that franchise. So De Laurentiis goes to Thomas Harris and he's like, is there going to be another book? Thomas Harris is like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm working on Hannibal at the moment. The moment Hannibal the novel came out, which I think was 1999, mm. the movie went to production. Um, straight away, the movie went to production. Um, Jodie Foster walked because she hated the ending. Because at the end of the book, Hannibal brainwashes Clarice Starling and the two of them abscond to like yeah. Buenos Aires as lovers, and it's yeah. really creepy. But and it's like the security guard sees them, sees them, great. and like runs away. It's, it's actually good. Like, is it's it a quite, good book? It's yeah. a great book. It's okay. a big, messy, operatic, insane yeah. book. But like, so he doesn't cut his own hand off. No, no, it doesn't do that. Um, that did happen, right? I didn't that happened that. in the yeah, in that the happened movie. In the film, yeah. 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 Um, Ray Liotta's like eating his own like. Yeah, brain, yeah right? that was I in the book. Ray Liotta eating yeah. his brains was in the book. Like the, Ray Liotta, um, not, not the characters. Ray Liotta, and um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like doesn't Clarice join him? In eating, in eating the brains in the book, yes, she does. Yeah. She is brainwashed. Passively, and okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Such she kind of there's book. a bit. Anyway, like it's it's, it's all moot. It's, I, I could talk about that book for ages, but like this is gonna be like I feel like this is, this episode is gonna lead to like a four part. <laughs> oh, pot potentially. Like four I, hours I, I game really talks about could Hannibal. go on. We, we interject but periodically, occasionally. Being like, did that really happen? Yes, it did. Good. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Hannibal did okay. The film. De Laurentiis was like, no, fuck it. We need more. Okay. Well, uh, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal is like an institution. He's an icon. Let's make Red Dragon. They made Red Dragon. Yeah, it did okay. So can I ask? He didn't make. 
He didn't Silence make Silence of the, of the Lambs. Lambs. And then he bought the rights back? And he bought, he, he's, or bought he the rights to the, the rights. Okay. Or he had the first option or something like oh, that. Okay, right. But Science of the Lambs, that, that's why in the TV show, they can have any character who didn't originate in Science of the Lambs. So, so you get, can't bring in Cl- they, Clarice. You can't get Clarice Starling or Buffalo Bill, but like okay. Will Graham, uh, Mason Verger, all those other characters you can get. Okay, gotcha. So that's why the TV show doesn't dabble with Science it's of like the Lambs. It's like the Marvel Fox thing going mm. on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just fucking rights. But so anyway, after Red Dragon... Um, De Laurentiis went to Thomas Harrison and was like, I need another book. And Thomas Harrison was like, well, no, it's a trilogy. It's done. And it's a perfect trilogy. <laughs> and, um, and De Laurentiis said, and this is true. You can actually look up the interviews where De Laurentiis blithely admits this. He said, okay, well, um, either you write me a new book or I'm going to get someone else to do it because I own the rights. So Thomas Harris went off and wrote Hannibal Rising. And you can tell reading that book. It's that filled he, with hatred it's towards filled with, it's just, It's just like. That's how you make good art, you know? Yeah. Hold them hostage. Hold them hostage. And it's just like there's this there's this energy and this like beautifully written like operatic kind of mystery to the novel Hannibal in particular and like to Red Dragon there's this like love and artistry to everything Thomas Harris does and like care to how he approaches all the characters. Like they're such rich characters and such like – and the TV show is like probably the first time that like a lot of these characters who aren't Hannibal or Clarice mm. have really been done justice to mm. because they're all such good characters. But like, you know, and you read Hannibal Rising and it's not the same. Like even Hannibal just feels like a shadow of himself. Like basically he's this like young aristocrat who gets orphaned by like a Nazi bomber in World War II and like a bunch of Nazi deserters like turn up at his family's hut where him and his young sister have survived and then they eat his sister and then Hannibal like stumbles off, joins up with his uncle and his Japanese wife I think they cut the uncle from the film. Yeah, they But, did. like, yeah, he goes and, like, joins up with them and then sort of, like, lives with them for a while and then, like, the uncle dies of a heart attack and there's this butcher who, like, this racist butcher who keeps insulting the uh, Japanese wife. So Hannibal kills him. And then basically Hannibal just goes on a rampage and hunts down all the Nazis that killed his sister until we get back to the end and it gets revealed that Hannibal ate his sister as well when he was, like, delirious and ergo uh, Hannibal eats people. It makes zero sense. And it's there's just, a scene where they make him put on a mask so they can put that on the front of the book and That was in the film. That wasn't <laughs> okay. in the book. Right. But, yeah. yeah, there was a scene in the film where he's like, oh, look at that samurai mask that conveniently looks exactly the same as the muzzle I'm going to wear yeah. later on. I'm going to put that on for no reason at all. I did think that was weird but, in the poster. It's a super mm. awkward... That's a super the, awkward scene. I think it... Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, you go. I just, I just feel like um, the... Uh, Hannibal Rising is like the D'Artagnan of the Hannibal trilogies. So it's like you have the Three Musketeers, mm-hmm. and Hannibal Rising is also here. Like it's like <laughs> just, he's the Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, oh, it's like okay. they're just like the add-on, and you're like, oh yeah, and that one as well. But here's the, the other thing about trilogy. it is that it kind of contradicts the other three in a lot of ways. I hate that. that like there's me. a bit, yeah. like yeah, there's a bit in Red Dragon where um Thomas Harris says that like Hannibal Lecter sort of showed a lot of cruelty to animals when he was a child, and that was the first sign something was wrong. Mm. Whereas in Hannibal Rising, that's just not there. Like, he's actually he actually loves animals and, like, cares for animals because I think by that point, Thomas Harris was, like, really trying to play up the vigilante angle and make Hannibal more like, oh, you know, he only eats bad people. He's, like, the oh, Dexter okay. of cannibals. Like, yeah. And that was never <laughs> said outright, but, like, they kind of had that whole, like, he eats the rude thing, which I always kind of liked, but he still eats people. Yeah. And I feel like by the time of Hannibal Rising, mm. they kind of treat him like a vigilante. Like, in, in the book and film, he has a fucking samurai sword with which he rides around a motorbike and it's hunts down Nazis. Like neck beardy. It's Sorry, really, just like, yeah, that's just, is. like, I watched it last night and it's just, like... 
a neck beard. It's a second-rate fucking like vigilante movie, yeah. and it's like this isn't Hannibal Lecter. Like this, and that's the TV show did something really brilliant. Where in the new season they sort of they address Hannibal Rising to a degree, mm. where um it's Will Graham's hunting for Hannibal overseas. And he goes, like, to Hannibal's childhood home. And he meets a character called Chio. And Chio in the novel was the assistant of Lady Murasaki, uh, his uncle's Japanese wife. And basically, Chio is guarding a man in a cell who, she says, killed and ate Hannibal's sister. And she's guarding this man. And basically, the idea is that Hannibal left her there because Chio stopped Hannibal from killing this man. So Hannibal was like, well, that's fine. But if this man never gets out, I'm going to kill him. So Chio, to try to, like, preserve the good in Hannibal... Sorry, Chio, you're done fucked up. But uh, pretty much is like protecting this man so Hannibal can't kill him. Right. What it turns out is that the man actually didn't kill Hannibal's sister, didn't eat Hannibal's sister. Hannibal just was fucking with Chio to see what would happen. And what it kind of insinuates... Is this guy a Nazi, even? No, no, well, because it's set in the present day, so okay, right. the timeline wouldn't oh, match okay, up. Right, but um, yep, yep. but what it kind of implies is still that... still be a Nazi in Hannibal... days era. Yeah, maybe, why not? <laughs> Neo-Nazi. Yes, yeah. But what it kind of implies <laughs> is that, like... Hannibal rising that whole narrative of like revenge was like a fiction Hannibal came up with ah, to manipulate okay. other characters. Cool. And it's like, yeah, I can get behind that. But the thing is like, I was thinking about Hannibal rising recently and I was like, the f- biggest thing I would change and straight away, this is what will fix it. Actually make it a horror film or a horror novel. Cause it's not horror. Like it's actually not. And make Hannibal the antagonist first and foremost. So what you do, you switch the focus and you take the photo. You don't make Hannibal your protagonist. Mm. You make Lady Murasaki your protagonist. Okay. Now let's have a think about who she is at this point. Because that's you what really her. works well in all sort of all the Hannibal thing is Hannibal's great as he's just there. He's as there, someone but he's else. never but, the know, protagonist. We're following Will like, Graham. Yeah. We're following Clarice, Clarice Starling. In the third yeah. book, it kind of cuts between Clarice and Ronaldo Patsy. Yeah. Um, that's why the first you know, Pirates of the Caribbean works. Exactly. There's very little Jack Sparrow. Exactly. Yeah. Because these characters don't. That's why Four's so good also. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we're talking about it earlier. Yeah, good old uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 4. <laughs> great film. But So yeah, you make, make Murasaki your protagonist. Now think about Murasaki. Think about who she is. This is just like post-World War II. I think it's mm-hmm. 1946 or 47 it's set. So pretty much you have a Japanese woman in allied post-war France married to an aristocrat right after World War II. Like, mm. what do you think her situation's going to be like? Mm. Could not be worse. She could great. be German, but still. Yeah. She is not going to be a popular person. Yeah, she is going to be suffering. Blend in a little bit better with the, with yeah. the Exactly. <laughs> She's going to be suffering like racism, like some horrible things are going to be said to her. I'm thinking we really set up the kind of thing she's experienced. It's like bullying. Mm. And maybe like make the uncle character, Hannibal's uncle, like a bit of a sort of wet blanket who like doesn't kind of, and she doesn't, she's a stranger in a strange land. Like there's pretty much an implication, I think in the novel that it was like an arranged marriage or something, or like it's, I, I don't quite remember. It was a bit vague, but like the idea was that the marriage wasn't entirely one. She was completely, she wasn't against it, but like there wasn't a whole lot of love there. Mm. Um, it was more like a friendship or like a partnership of convenience, but make it so like maybe he's like a bit of a wet blanket and she's like a stranger in a strange land, doesn't really know how to like defend herself or how to step up. But we're talking about a character who is the daughter of samurai. She is a proud Japanese woman from like a proud Japanese lineage and she is being belittled, bullied and targeted every single day with a husband who like won't protect her. She doesn't really know how to protect herself, not because she's like a weak person, just because like she's alone. Like what if Mm. she strikes out or does anything, what's going to happen to her? She's got no way home. She's got no, like she doesn't know what these men surrounding her are capable of, most of whom are like war criminals and things like that. So enter the young Hannibal Lecter. 
He turns up at their doorstep, much like he does in the book, except we don't follow his perspective, we follow it from her perspective. Have you guys seen a movie called The Guest? Yes. yes. Is that recent? Recent, yeah. The guy from... Um, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. Yeah, he's great a, movie. Yeah, great film. Great yeah. film. Imagine that film, but with Hannibal Lecter. So in that film, for That's those awesome. who don't know, it's uh, <laughs> about a family who've lost their son in Afghanistan, and a soldier who claims to have served with their son turns up. Like, he's handsome, he's charming, he's helpful. Great he abs. friends the whole family, all of the it's above. all about the abs. All about the abs, <laughs> but he just seems a bit fucked up. Mm. So I'm thinking, you know, we introduced Hannibal Lecter, you know, and he is charming, courteous, polite, all of those things. Abs. In the novel, abs, yeah. Mm. In the novel, he turns up and he's like speechless and traumatized and then kind of gradually warms up. Fuck that. Yeah, it's Hannibal like Lecter. It's Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. He turns up. He is Hannibal. He is 20-year-old Hannibal, but he's still Hannibal. See, nobody wants to he's... see, like, the weird pre-Hannibal. Fuck no, like, we don't want to see that. No one, no one wants to see, like, yeah, pre-teen versions of yeah. our yeah. No, and he's got a, Hannibal's yeah. got a line oh, in Science of the Lambs where he says, not in the film but in the book, he says, nothing happened to me, Agent Starling, I happened. And the moment you drop in this, like, narrative of him being traumatised by Nazis yeah. who ate his sister, suddenly it's not Hannibal's fault, he's just a traumatised war victim. Fuck that. He's the devil. He's Hannibal yeah. fucking Lecter. And he's already the devil from an early age. Now, the thing is, yeah. we can you say some shit went down, some shit happened in the war, something fucked him up, maybe, but we don't need to know what that was. Nah. We don't need to know who his sister was or who his family was. All we know is that he's related to this family, he was orphaned in the war, and he's turned up on the doorstep. He befriends Murasaki. She might be a little bit fascinated by like this strange, charming young man who like helps out around the house and everything. With great abs. <laughs> With great abs. And um, anyway, so there's a scene in the book and film where she goes to the market and this butcher like attacks her. I think Hannibal steps in and like violently attacks the butcher. No. So we can keep that scene. And like maybe the uncle's there as well. And the uncle's kind of like, oh, you know, just keep your head down. Don't trouble these people. You know, they already hate us enough or something like that. And Hannibal kind of like can maybe like step in and like try to defend her, like almost like fight the butcher, still very calm and controlled in Hannibal. Mm. And she's like, Hannibal, like, step down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we have sort of that. And then the butcher turns up dead. So we don't get that silly scene that's currently in the film where, like, you know, Hannibal kills the butcher, like, with a samurai. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> the I butcher found, I just... Found, sorry, just to quickly interject with that. I found that scene the funniest out of the entire film. Oh, it's so film silly. Because he's, he kills him with the samurai sword mm-hmm. and whatever. And then he's talking to Lady Murasaka... Murasaki. Murasaki. Um, like in the next scene, and he was like, "I would have done it with the butcher's knife, but the but the sword seemed more fitting." And I'm like, "That is the opposite of what would make you, sense." You would make sense. Thomas Harris, who wrote the screenplay as well as the book. Yeah, and he's just like, "I used a fucking cannibal sword to kill this racist butcher." But instead, but instead of the butcher's knife, which, which would have w- seen a bit more poetic, yeah, was just Thomas Harris being like, "I'm, Tom- I Thomas- hate this." Script I just don't think he gave a so fuck. much. Like he's never said he's a recluse anyway, but he's never said anything about it. He's never addressed it. Like literally after the film came out, he went into hiding. He like hasn't released the book. I since. would hasn't also go into since. hiding if, yeah. if Hannibal Rising was on my contents. Yeah, was, it, was this like? But did he write it as a bit of a fuck you to the guy who made him write it all this? Must be. Did it make money? No. The book would have. The book, the oh, even the book didn't do that well, okay. comparatively. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, um, I'm look that he up. kills the butcher. No. <laughs> Excuse me, I am listening. That's right. <laughs> he, kills, he kills the butcher and Murasaki's kind of like not really sure. And she goes to Hannibal and she kind of says to him, you know, did you, did you kill the butcher? And Hannibal can be a little bit evasive. Like that typical kind of Hannibal Lecter, I'm not saying I did, but I probably did. Yeah. And so you know, did. so maybe no. then like some local ruffians who are friends of the butchers like turn up. Eating him, right? And like, yeah, he's like got like a human leg in his hand. Yeah. He's like chewing at it. I say, might wait, have. What's that line of the Simpsons? Eating Uta. Right <laughs> yes. But um, 
so you know maybe some ruffians turn up and like throw some rocks through mm. the windows and stuff like that you know say you know fucking Japanese slut or whatever yeah. and like you know have a go at her you know there's a bit of that in the movie as it is yeah. mm. I, I actually and kind then, of really enjoyed just to sorry interject again that's right. that in in the film they they their insults to her are always quite like then they're, they're not that harsh to hear which no 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 like like in, in I I mean this in the best possible way because they're not. Like being like you Japanese slut, go fuck yourself. Like, like that would be so evasive as a mm-hmm. listener to hear. But they just like the butcher just keeps calling her Japanese, Japanese. And well, he that, does that make that whole thing where he's like, "Jap oh, pussy runs sideways." Yeah, he makes a joke about her, her vagina being the wrong way, which I don't understand. But because their eyes are slanty, I know that's, that their eyes are. That's I, the I racist feel like gag. I understand, there. but like this, obviously this this joke has stemmed from someone never seeing a vagina before. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really a cry for help. Well, you, you yeah. did see the actor who played the butcher, right? Like, that's yeah, probably not probably, out of the yeah. realm of possibility, <laughs> considering this guy. He's, He's a big, defense. fat, sweaty man. So they he made scary. that up on the spot. Yeah, maybe. Why scary. not? They're pretty scary. They're, They're terrifying. Scary. But <laughs> look at one. Look at a predator mask. I mean, predator face without a mask. Uh, you tell me the parallels there. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. All right. All but right I'm you fascinated your, by them. You and your gross little wrinkly meat stick. <laughs> Yes, you with your little gross little wrinkly meat tube. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 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 This conversation's disgusting. <laughs> um, well, look, uh, yeah, maybe, like, you know, let's, let's make the insults mm. more, like, horrible. More, like, you know, they're, they're really awful yeah, to her. And it, you can it, see her like seething. Yeah. Like, you can maybe she's, like, have a scene of her, like, sitting in her room, just kind of, like, you know, staring at the samurai armor she's got on display, just, like, furious. Like, she shouldn't be having any of this shit. She is so much better than this. Yeah, so because one by did they one, insult like anything about you know the Japanese surrendering, like surrendering? Yeah, all this well, kind of add stuff. that too. Add that too. Like, she can still be smart yeah, about that. You know, they she's, don't say anything because the whole thing. One, a key thing of her character is that she's descended from samurai. Like mm. her sense of like cultural identity should be so defining with who she is. Mm. Like should be such a strong like aspect of who she is. So have her like seething, then like bit <clears throat> by bit, these guys start to turn up dead. Mm. Mm. And maybe Murasaki, like, at first sort of pulls Hannibal up in it, but then just kind of leaves it. Like, have the uncle maybe saying, oh, you know, all these guys, like, turning up dead in these, like, freak accidents where parts of their bodies using cooking are missing. What's that all about? And, you know, you can kind of, like, have that happening and then, like, have Hannibal maybe, like, shoot Murasaki kind of, like, a very knowing look across the dinner table. And Murasaki just kind of says nothing until the police start sniffing around. And that happens in the film as well. You have Inspector Popill, uh, played by Dominic West, I think. Who from kind of The like, Wire! Oh, from The Wire, shut up about The Wire. Um, <laughs> turns up, yeah, I'll get you. Turns up, um, starts sniffing around, and Murasaki starts to realise, okay, like, this whole life is about to fall apart. Like, you know, I could be in severe danger right now because, like, if this gets exposed, I no longer have, like, this rich house protecting myself. I'm so far from home and everyone fucking hates me. Mm. She goes to Hannibal, she's like, you need to stop. You need to... You need to stop doing this. Mm. And she and he's like, well, what makes you think I did it? And she's like, because I know you did it. Because I, I, I know you, you. I know you did it. And she, he's like, well, what's your evidence? And she's like, I, I, I just, I know it was you. And he goes, okay. He goes, let's, let's have a think about this. He's like, it's me. You know, traumatized kid, orphaned in the war, come here, just like looking for like a safe place to call home. And then there's you, Japanese woman, daughter of samurai, Surrounded by, like, racism and hatred and invectives, constantly told over and over again, oh, you know, you surrendered, you surrendered, you're this and this and blah, blah, whatever. Maybe you snapped. Maybe you just had enough. Which narrative is more convincing in this situation? 
So what we're going to start to get into here I'm scared. is like I got chills. <laughs> every every episode Gabe gives me chills. Okay, I'm, I'm ter- you. I'm so is he doing this? Would you say because he's like, well, if I do this, I can get away with this, or be, or because he's doing it as a favor? Like, or is Both. it just like whatever? Both. He's Hannibal. Matter. Like yeah. you know, this guy's motivations may not have ever made sense, mm. but we can all just like you know accept that there are mm. layers upon layers upon yep. layers upon layers. He plays. Cool. He's always been a yeah. game player, a string puller. He plays with people and creates situations to see what people will do in those situations. Yeah. And this is his prototype. This is him playing with Murasaki, who he likes and respects because we all know he, respo- he responds to a courtesy and to respect. And she's nothing if not courteous, respectful, and honorable. Mm. And that's what he's responding to. So he's like, well, you know, they're insulting her. I'm just stepping in mm. like but her ancestors would have. Hannibal doesn't like to be told not to do anything. No. And when he's put into a corner, that's when he absolutely just hates it. So he, yeah, yeah he exactly. would be just like, he would turn on her. Like He would turn on her. He would turn on a dime if she tried to, you know, fuck with him. So what I want to get into from here, and this is sort of where my speculation begins, ends, but lends itself to so much more is this sort of like fucked up psychosexual horror drama between this woman and this like guy who she might be a little bit fixated with. And there is a part of her that kind of agrees with what he's doing and kind of wants him to keep going, but she doesn't want to admit that part's there. But Hannibal knows that part's there and he's constantly fucking with her. So, you know, maybe like- ties back to what you were talking about before with the um, first movie. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, maybe the uncle ends up dying. Like he does have a heart attack in the book, so we can maybe keep that. The police chase starts to kind of, you know, get worse and worse. They start to like surround the house more, start to kind of be watching more and more. So maybe that's when we can have Hannibal. And I'm cutting the whole like hunting down the Nazis who killed his family. Fuck that. Let's keep it with these two. Yeah, it makes sense. So maybe that's when they go to America. Like maybe that's when they go to America, like to Baltimore and everything and like to escape the whole thing. And, you know, um, Baltimore also set in Baltimore. Shut up. Um, No wire talk. But like, because that's where Hannibal ends up. So it doesn't even have to be Baltimore. Like maybe like, I I always like this idea, like maybe we take him to like, they go to America, but like they want to stay off the beaten path. So I've always loved this idea of like, imagine sitting a Hannibal Lecter film, like out in kind of like, maybe like Louisiana or somewhere like gothic and dark and kind of like, you know, set him against this like nightmare scape and like have this sort of psychodrama continue to play out. Maybe Gators, why not? Um, They did bores in the other films. So, you know, like, but have this kind of sign of play. And I don't don't really know where this ends. Maybe the cop chases them. Maybe like she ends up having to kill the cop, but I know the ending scene I would love. Sorry, I just got so excited because you're like, and the cop comes to the States in Baltimore and here's Jimmy McNulty from The Wire. I walked into that one. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. But like, I've I've always like, I love this image of like, imagine this ending where they've killed the cop, they've kind of got away with everything and they're sort of in this house where they found... And Murasaki is kind of like a prototype what Clarice Starling will eventually become in the novel, like a hostage to Hannibal. But, like, is she willing? Is she not willing? Very much like Bedelia de Maria in the TV series. And I love this image at the end of they're in this house in America and they're sort of just, like, listening to music and just maybe dancing. Just like, you know, candlelit, just dancing. And they're talking, like, about everything they've gone through and kind of, like, you know, that very, like, typical Thomas Harris kind of ambiguous dialogue back and forth. Like, what are they both thinking? What are they both going to do? And maybe, like, as they're dancing, they kind of, like, turn around and, you know, there's a table and there's a knife on the table. And she kind of reaches for the knife. And that's the end. And the next time we see Hannibal, it's Red Dragon. It's 20 years later. What happened to Murasaki? What happened in the intervening years? We don't know. And we're not going to fucking find out, Dinah De Laurentiis. There won't be another one. Because like, I just I love this idea of like, you know, with Clarice Starling and Will Graham, 
you know, those are, you know, Hannibal's traditional foils. And Will Graham's whole point was that, you know, he was avoiding the darkness. He was constantly avoiding what Hannibal represented. And, you know, generally he successfully avoided it until the end of the novel where, you know, spoiler for a book that came out in 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the novel, uh, Francis Dollarhide repeatedly stabs Will Graham in the face and he ends up in hospital. His wife kind of comes to visit him, but it's implied she's probably going to leave him. And he gets a letter from Hannibal. That's like the only correspondence he gets. And he's lying in this hospital bed completely disfigured. And he keeps just having dreams about nature and like the brutality of nature and it ends with him having this realization that he's like you know it's a line they appropriated for the tv show where he says you know murder is something we make up and so is mercy like to nature it doesn't matter like nature doesn't care and none of these like ideas of morality we have actually fucking matter and so will graham's kind of end point is him sort of coming around to hannibal's way of thinking mm. and that's kind of the last we see of him the next time we hear mm. we, there's one line in science of the lambs where i think Jack Crawford says that Will Graham's a drunk in Florida with a face that's hard to look at. And that's yeah, the last we sort of see yeah. of him. And Clarice Starling is the same. You know, she maintains her morality all through Science Lambs, all through Hannibal, until Hannibal has to, like, brainwash her. But, you know, in all of these stories, except for Hannibal Rising as it is, it's this, like, sort of extended duologue of, like, Hannibal Lecter and a essentially moral character where Hannibal's trying to corrupt that character. And because Will and Clarice are both sort of ostensibly on the side of the angels, they get corrupted eventually, but not until the very end. I want to see that kind of corruption story played out over the course of a whole film from early on. Like, we start Murasaki where we leave Will and Clarice. Mm. And then we play out and we really see what that means to like be challenged and seduced by the devil. Like you're seduced by this fucking psychopathic cannibal's way of thinking. And what does, what does that do to a person? Play that out over the course of this horror film and make Hannibal like your Lucifer figure. You're, anta- you're like completely antagonistic. Fuck the Nazis. Fuck all that. You can have your other like villainous side characters like, you know, the uh, racist French people bullying Murasaki and everything. But Hannibal's the main villain and focus it completely on that relationship. Instead of making Murasaki just as kind of like in the film as it stands, you know, she's there. Hannibal kills the butcher. Murasaki's like, ah. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, good. And Murasaki <laughs> just basically helps him for the rest of the film until the very end, like where she's given no inclination that she has anything to disagree with in his actions. And the very end of the film, he, uh, she finds out from Vladis Krutus, the leader of the Nazis who ate his sister, uh, Krutus is kind of like, oh, Hannibal, you ate your sister too. You were delirious. You didn't know you did it. And Hannibal's like, oh, fuck that. And then like stabs Krutus and kills him. Was Hannibal and like, no. Was he it like actually that kind of is thing? like, okay. no, I, I made it better by saying he says, fuck that. He actually yells no. <laughs> no he and then, does, he, and then he, he carves an his... M into yeah. Grutus's chest saying, M for Misha over and over again. And then he bites his cheek and then he turns to Murasaki and he's all like, I love you. And Murasaki's like, what is left in you to love? And she storms out and that's the end. It's like, fuck that. I am like, just so impressed like, like that. knowing that you haven't seen this film in so long that you've just why got the dialogue I, down. Why would I watch it again? Like, I it was, watched it last night. I saw it night, twice like, when it came what, out. What, I saw happen? it like... I remember when it came out, it was like 2007. So it would have been a couple of years after I read Red Dragon for the first time. I was so excited. I went to like the first screening. I would have been 15. Went to the first screening of Hannibal Rising being like, yeah, yeah, drag my dad to watch it. I was like, dad, you got to come see Hannibal with me. And he was like, yeah, all right, whatever. And we watched it. I kind of walked out. I was like, that was great. And dad was like, no, no, it wasn't. Son. And I was like, no, nah, it was great. And then like two days later, I went and saw it again by myself because I was like, no, nah, it was great. And I kind of like maintained that for a while until like I sort of just... No, I think I I bought the DVD the day the DVD came out. I went and I bought it. And I was like, yeah, Hannibal Rising was the... And I put it on. I was like, Hannibal Rising was was the... Hammer Rising wasn't good. No. It really wasn't good. But like, and you know, I never, I never really thought about like fixing it. But I was like, there, it just, it seems to me so. The 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 problem with it is that they try to explain him and they try yeah. to well, tell the, you where he comes from. 
Fuck that. Mm. Give me a Hannibal Lecter horror story. Could you imagine if Hannibal Rising came out in 2007? Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's beating the dead horse that this, that this franchise has become. Mm-hmm. And they came out with this, and it was this, like, fucked up horror film about, like, you know, this sort of twisted love story between, like, this veteran, this, uh, sorry, uh, war survivor and his Japanese aunt and kind of like, you know, playing with these ideas of like honor and revenge and sort of morality and all that good stuff that the earlier films and books did explore mm. instead of this fucking hack job vigilante prequel. Mm. Like imagine if that came out and all these critics like, oh shit, no, there was a, the Hannibal prequel was good. There was a good prequel. That's not pre- happened yeah. Yeah. before. No, it's very rare. I and mean, that's the like, problem with all prequels is that they try and explain someone, someone like, to like, yeah, like, like you were saying, like he grabs a samurai mask to make it look like the mask. Yeah, no, fuck that. Like, don't don't explain like, him. Like, just give me a Hannibal story life. set in post-war yeah, France. Yeah. That'd be great. Like, you give it this fucking atmospheric setting because the setting in the film is actually atmospheric as fuck. Mm. As like, you look at like the film Hannibal, which take it or leave it, but like the setting of leave Florence it. suits. <laughs> fair enough. I'd still take it over Red Dragon, but like the setting of Florence, like lends you it so much personality, right? <laughs> like you know all those scenes in Florence with like the misty, you know, mm. Florentine streets and like you know all that like ancient architecture. And it just like it suits Hannibal Lecter to a T. And I, I argue that France and Hannibal Rising kind of did the same thing, but they squandered that. They had a great setting that could have been really atmospheric. Yeah, make it this different story instead. I'd watch the fuck out of that. I'd be defending Hannibal Rising till today. Mm. And I mean, you know, people, there was an argument until the TV show came out and gave a gigantic middle finger to everybody on the planet who made that argument that Hannibal Lecter was a character who was better in small doses. There was like, you know, you have him behind bars, fucking with FBI agents, and that's it. And then they said, oh, well, the point we're all went off the rails was the movie Hannibal where he sort of became the main character and then it didn't work as well. I was like, well, look at the TV series. TV, like, Mads Mikkelsen has now been on screen as Hannibal Lecter for, like, many, 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 many times more than Anthony Hopkins ever was. And we're not bored of him yet. No, Far no, from no. it. Give me more. Give me, please give me a season four. Please. Yeah. <laughs> please well, I feel like we've, we've even gotten to this point with the TV show that that Mads is Mads is Hannibal, Hannibal now. I mean, like, look, and like, that's, for me, that's it. Personally, and I'll say this outright, so far, none of the actors who have played Hannibal, all of whom, apart from Gaspard Yuli and Hannibal Rising, all of them have been really, really good interpretations of Hannibal. But none of them are Hannibal Lecter as I see him in the books. Okay. None of them are. Mickelson, actually, you know what? Brian Cox is probably the closest in terms of how he's described in the books. Yeah. How is he described and in the books? He's described as like, he's described as like, he's about, he's about 50 He's, he's described as, like, small and life mm-hmm. and, like, very calm, very controlled. There's none of that hissing sort of, like, snarling way of talking. He's got a, he's got a sense of humour, but it's very deadpan. Yeah. So it's very close to kind of – Cox and Mickelson are a little bit closer. Mm. But, like, Mickelson has a particular cadence where, like, there's, there's humour to Mads Mickelson's portrayal, but, like, not quite as much as there is to Hannibal in the novels. Like, Mickelson's kind of got this wry sort of, like, tongue-in-cheek way of, like, cracking jokes, whereas Hannibal in the novels just kind of, like... Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Outright says kind of like fucked up jokes. And the way I think Hopkins starts just without the snarling and the hissing. And it's kind of like what's interesting about it is that like it's described as being very deadpan and very controlled. And whereas I don't think, I think he's warmer. Brian Cox is very cold. So he's warmer than Cox. But like in terms of sort of the cadence and the way he sort of speaks and everything, Cox is probably the closest to how he's described. Mm-hmm. But again, like they're all great interpretations. Like, you know, Anthony Hopkins was brilliant. Mads Mikkelsen was really brilliant. Um, Brian Cox was also brilliant in like his two minutes of screen time. Like, you know, they're, it's, they're all valid interpretations. They're all great interpretations and I would watch more of any of them in a heartbeat. Mm. But I mean, you know, like I think that's the beauty of the character is that, you know, he can be reinterpreted in these ways that are all quite drastically different. I think it was just but- such a fantastic thing of Mads Mikkelsen to come in and to take this character that was so iconic that was so oh, absolutely like, and and just take it in like while keeping it in the in the character making it so different from what we got from anthony hopkins well, and just t- making it his own and just like for me like because i i watched all the hannibal films when i was a teenager and then love hannibal the tv series now like mads will be my hannibal oh look mads is mads is my favorite hannibal yeah. like cox might be the closest but mads is my favorite yeah like because you know cox only got to do hannibal for Maybe maybe five minutes, mm. maybe less. But, like, you know, and I would have been interested to see him in Science of the Lambs and Hannibal where he actually becomes a more likable sort of nuanced character. Because in Red Dragon, he's very much just like, I am evil, and you don't mm. really get much of a sense of backstory or anything like that. Mm. Um, and he's fine. He serves his purpose beautifully in that novel and the film Manhunter. But, um, you know, it would have been interesting to see Cox kind of play those different shades and kind of like, you know, the liking, the respect he has for Clarice Starling rather than the contempt he has for Will Graham mm. in Manhunter. But, like, you know, Mickelson, I, you know, just think for me is the definitive Hannibal in terms of film adaptations, mm. if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the silver lining, though, I guess, the fact that that movie tanked so badly. That they had to completely reboot it yeah, again instead yeah, of getting, yeah. like, three more sequels with fucking Gaspard Yulio playing <laughs> young Would Hannibal. interesting to see, because I think David Tennant was almost up. David Tennant auditions for the and TV series. Hugh really? Darcy, who plays Will yeah, Graham yeah. in the TV show. Auditioned to play Hannibal. Hannibal yeah, in Hannibal oh. Rising. Oh, he Fun did too. Fact. I read that somewhere. Zoe, really? check that out on IMDb. How cool is that? <laughs> no, it's really, it's really cool. Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hijack this conversation. Yeah, go nuts. I've been waiting. God, I hate Hannibal Rising. 
Fair enough. <laughs> and and I, I watched it last night and I watched it as a teenager and this is how much this film, like, didn't impact my life, is that my <laughs> recollection of what I thought Hannibal Rising was was the movie Perfume. And I <laughs> oh, yeah, genuinely right. thought, wow. yeah, I genuinely thought I was watching it last night and I'm like, this is going to happen. This is, what am I watching? What <laughs> am I watching? It's a movie, like French is that the, the, the serial killer one? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman's. I literally watched them both when I was 14. So maybe. maybe. By the way, um, Hannibal Rising made 82 million dollars on a 50 million dollar budget. You wow. need to make double your budget though to make your absolutely. Money back, you yeah. do. Yeah. 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 Mm. Damn. So there are two things. Just two things. Like I'm like, if, and I always play devil advocate in the show. I'm like, if you're gonna make this movie, that's fine. There are two things that I would change in this film. Just mm -hmm. if if you're stuck on this fucking storyline, they do the thing. Where every, like, they start off the movie with young Hannibal at, like, eight and Misha and then, like, the 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 neo the, the Nazis come in and they're, like, like, the last line of that scene is, like, we're going to have to eat to survive. And then it stops and then we jump eight years. And then for the rest of the film, to figure out what happened to Hannibal, we just get little flashbacks, like, when he's asleep and little <coughs> tidbits every now and then. And it's just, it's a really... In in my eyes, it's just a really horrible way to tell a story because it's like, oh, you get a little bit of information here, you get a little information here, but it's not like you as the audience are figuring it out. You're like, oh, that adds up. You're just like spoon-fed the answers just very mm. fucking slowly. So either commit, either and, – and because they combine it into two, either make the first scene about everything that happened and we just go, okay, this is Hannibal's motivation or the entire film we're very confused as to what his motivation is. Like, yeah, make right. it either or. So have the scene and it shows what happened to yeah. Misha and it shows everything and we're like, all right, like, we're going to make Hannibal. Like, we sympathise with him and we, we're we on board because we know what happens. Yeah, and also, like, you know, the movie Hannibal Rising mm. doesn't happen in a vacuum. We we've, we know about Signs of the Lands. We know yeah. about the Dragon, Nobody's going to go and watch that. a film no called Hannibal Rising who hasn't seen Signs of exactly. the Lands. Exactly. So we know that he's a cannibal. Yeah. So we, we're probably going to, like, work out, you know, one plus one. Yep, he ate his sister. Good. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to make this a big reveal. You mm. could just be like, okay, so that's what happened. That said, Ooh. when I read the book when I was 14, um, <laughs> the, reveal <laughs> that, the reveal that he'd eaten his sister at the end did actually, there was one moment where I was like, oh, fuck. But it could be one and of those things like they really. I was also 14, so yeah. that's, add that as a caveat. But it could, it could just <laughs> be like a thing that, that um, like, because even in the film, like, they go to, like, the, the guys, uh, Risa Fan is the only one that I could recognize. Um, he's the main bad guy. And he goes to kill Misha, and Hannibal's kind of like, no! Mm. With about that level of anger and stuff behind it and so it's like either why'd they go with that take yeah <laughs> it's like either make him like really fighting for misha and being like no like kill me instead like i'll i'll oh, yeah. i'll do this like because he's older she's like three he's eight mm -hmm. like not enough but you know mm. at least you could have him being like no 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 take me like let her live let her live and really kind of getting that point across that he would have done anything to protect mm -hmm. her yeah, right. And then the reveal that they that and it could even be like not a willingly thing. Like do it, do it as a really fucked up scene where like these guys are literally forcing the mm. food into his mouth, like literally forcing sister soup down his throat. Yeah. So it does really fuck him up. See, I, see, I, I would almost go the complete opposite way, which is to have Hannibal do like, kill his sister and eat her willingly. Like, that's what you would have want from this film. Like to me, for a survival thing that yeah. then fucked him up as like a, uh, make no, him a bit older. Not even fuck him up. Well, that would actually explain like you know if he was like if if Hannibal 
if Hannibal was like, you know, in in the middle of this situation, mm. and he was just kind of like, nah, fuck this, survival instincts, I'm killing my sister and I'm mm. eating her, that would traumatize someone, yeah. and yeah. that would kind of completely change. Like, particularly if you're an eight year old child, would completely change your whole outlook on the world because you'd be like, well. When the gun was, you know, impossible decisions are very possible when the gun is to our head. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, like when the gun was to his head, he killed Nate's sister. Yeah. And that that's the kind of thing that I could see that as, you know, the seed for what he would later become, mm, yeah. if you have to explain him. Yeah. It's like, be brave. Don't fucking blink. Don't be like, oh, the bad Nazis ate him and then they yeah. fed it to him when he didn't even know it was happening and then now he's a cannibal. Yeah. Um, because he liked the taste of his... I don't think like, that was you the can point. Even something yeah, because like, they, um, even, they but, even have, like, little winks in the film to him becoming a cannibal before he realises that he ate his sister. Like, yeah. there's winks to it where, like, really? the first time he murders... Uh, the, fir- <sighs> the first Nazi that he murders, like... The blood smears across his face, and he and does he like, this, like does vampiric, thing. like lick yeah, where he just like yeah. pushes it into his mouth, and then just has this face. But then he actually like, cooks some of the Nazi, like on the yeah, spit, and then, he? And then like he, he goes off and does more. But it's just it's it's just a really weak but, argument because I think like, and I know I'm just gonna get like a little bit uh, about <laughs> it. Um, but if you look at it in in a way where it's like in a criminal profiling kind of way, and in a, in a developmental kind of way, at eight what happened to Hannibal would have fucked him up, but it wouldn't have done what it did. <clears throat> Make him 12. Yeah. And that, like, I know that sounds like just a very, like, nothing change, but in the the eyes of psychology, being 12, being, like, on the cusp of puberty and that happening to you is so much more going to affect your later life than it being happening when you're a child. Yeah, because isn't it, like, I think, what's, I mean, is it eight or is it younger? That there's that, that moment when you were all, like, a certain age where it's basically, like, we have a mind of a serial killer, mm. but we just don't have the strength to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a toddler. Fifteen. Yeah. No, Fifteen. But even if you have something like, the, yeah, sure, captured by Nazis or whatever, and it's, mm. like, a hot, cold winter and it's snow and all this bullshit and, like, Eastern Europe, wherever they are. Where's he from? Lithuania. Lithuania. Okay. And so you're going through that and maybe it's just like however they're captured and maybe one of the, the main Nazis or like the, he's, he's one has got one left, like get into a bear trap and now he's stuck. And then they're like these two kids. Yeah, one is 12, the other is – because she's younger, isn't she? She's three. Oh, she's, she's three. three or four, oh, like in the, the film. So, yeah, it's traumatic because oh. she's like three or four. Yeah, but so it's three also... or four. And then you, so you have that and then like Hannibal, like this – this fucking Nazi's got bear tra- Yeah, all right, well, we've got to survive now. Let's eat the shit out of this guy. They do that, and then they sort of keep trekking along, and then, like, you know, he's looking after this, like, three-year-old or 12-year-old, and it's kind of like he's starving, they can't do anything, and then it's kind of like, well, what do I do here? But that would that that's would break him, and that's the best thing. Like, that's the kind of if, – if we're going to be psychological about yeah. it, don't be mm. a fucking wimp. Don't be like, oh, the Nazis ate his sister. Be like, he ate, yeah, exactly. He ate his yeah, sister willingly because it's, it's Hannibal Lecter. It's not like you need to humanize him or yeah. make him likable. Yeah. That's right. Like, people like him because they be- don't like him. Because of like who him. he is. Like, you know, it's it just it it's actually really mind like it, I suppose it speaks like how much of an institution the character became after Science of the Lambs and how iconic he was. In that, like, they they had to make an excuse to, like, explain him or make him likable or make him justifiable. Yeah. Whereas, like, like he's a you, horror movie oh, villain. Exactly. Yeah. Even if like, you just have him and, and the sister on the run, like, have no Nazis. Just have them having to fled wherever they, like, wherever they were well, from. They're stuck in the, they get the, they the, get, the, the thing gets bombed and they escape yeah. in the forest and it's cold and, exactly. you know. Exactly. There's just two of them and they're having to survive and maybe they make some, like, makeshift, like, traps to get some rabbit but it's not working and then just have Hannibal to be like, oh, well, 
There goes sister. Let's make a soup. So yeah. they do make a soup. Is it just the sister in the it's soup, or they have vegetables? Soup. No, it's just sister soup. <laughs> okay, so in it's just water and just water and sister. sister. Oh, I'm going to be that guy in the book. Because <laughs> um, if they could have just made a vegetable soup. Yeah. yeah. No, no. They, it's like, it's like, it's like frozen, kind of like frozen winter. Yeah. Like they've. Um, yeah. There's a scene there's, like they explain they, it. Like one of the one of the guys comes back with like a leg of meat. They kill a deer first, but in the book they've got um two other kids held captive okay. with uh, Hannibal and Misha, mm. and they eat the other kids first because they're fatter. That would that would explain. And then some they more, get to Misha. That, that yeah. would be that would be traumatic watching it one by one being slowly picked off. Yeah. yeah. But instead of. I don't know. Somehow and that's like, more traumatic than eating your sister. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, this is the podcast where I'm most going to be the guy. He's like, in the book. Yeah. But I always like have this, like, I've got, you know, when I talk about Game of Thrones with friends and like, you know, they're like, oh, did you see what happened in this episode? Like, what do you think of that? Of what happened there? And I was like, well, in the book. Whereas I just want to have a legitimate debate. They're like, we know you've read the books, Gabe. Shut up. I guess the merman theory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stannis the mantis. <laughs> Stannis um, is a praying mantis. Oh, that's yeah. great. It's a great theory. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like an like an like actual, a, praying, an actual mantis? praying mantis, yeah, just big. Yeah, that's uh, that's why he doesn't want to have sex with his wife because you know praying yeah. mantis females eat the males, and that's why he grinds his teeth because he's grinding up a uh, uh, vegetation, oh. and that's um, why he's uh, never been wounded in battle because his thick uh, exoskeleton protects him. Makes so much sense now. Yeah, he's a, he's a mantis. That makes a lot of sense, <laughs> doesn't it? Just and he's green. Whoa! Aside <laughs> from that, and those giant <laughs> antenna and big eyes of his. <laughs> And the fact that everyone's like, is that a Has anyone ever asked George R. R. Martin that? He's like, admit it! If I ever <laughs> tell meet us him the truth. Comic-Con or something, that's going to be you your white question. I, this, I, was, I was watching a... Uh, oh, my God. You would take Hannibal season, the, um, season three over the rest of Game of Thrones. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. That's amazing. Um, I would. But I would straight. If I got... You for being I got to watch you. this show. Oh, dude, you have to watch this well, when show. It's, when it came out, like, I'm like, I'm sick of Hannibal, and this looks like Dexter, and I don't like Dexter okay, anymore. I'll tell you what it, what but it, I've heard it's no, nothing it's, like No, no, no. Things. It's, it's yeah. nothing like Season Dexter, one, it's nothing like Hannibal's. <laughs> I, like, Hannibal Rising kind of burnt me. Like, when I saw that, you know, and I realised it wasn't good, and I've sort of, like... I still watch The Science of the Lambs is probably my second all-time favourite movie of all time ever. Behind? In Bruges. That's a fucking great it's movie. A fucking great film. But like Science Lambs and Psycho kind of alternate. Yeah. But um like Science Lambs I've watched many, many times over the years. Even Red Dragon I've watched a few times here and there and Manhunter. But like in terms of like my like my passion for the Hannibal franchise definitely waned until like the TV series came back and I was like, oh fuck yeah, it's Hannibal Lecter. I'm gonna watch the fuck out of it. Same as like Bates Motel started at the same time. And I was like, fuck yeah, it's Norman Bates. Give me more of Norman Bates. Is that good? I it's, it's good if one. you're a if you're as much of a psycho fan as okay. I am, I if you've got like your psycho Bates. box set and your psycho books Have collection. Have they recreated and... the shower scene yet in different ways? Uh, they've hinted at it. But, like, sure. uh, Freddie Highmore's really good as a young Norman yeah, Bates. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Um, but, like, it's the, the show is trash. Um, whereas Hannibal, <laughs> like, I would say Beautiful if you're not artistry. a psycho fan, yeah. don't bother with Bates Motel. Yeah. If you're not a Hannibal Lecter fan, Hannibal's a great place to start. Okay. Like, I know so many people who love the TV show who've never seen the other films mm. or read the books or anything like that because mm. it's just a total... Reinterpretation. Yeah, like Space Motel is really to. beholden to the films. It's just like mm. full of references and callbacks and everything to the movies. Like it, it coasts on the love for the source material. Whereas yeah. like, Hannibal the yeah, show doesn't. Like, I think so if much. you read the books, there's sometimes you're going to be like, "Oh, in the books this didn't happen." You could become that guy. But like <laughs> the Hannibal TV show, like <laughs> that guy's the worst. It fucks with the books like constantly. It, it takes you know the events of Hannibal the novel take mm. place before the events of Red Dragon and like other elements of both books. I mm. use like earlier in the seasons. Like it just takes different elements sure, and kind of fine. mixes yeah. them up. But it's, I think the, the moment, the first season, I was like, yeah, this is good. And it was, I remember the, it was the ending of the first season that made me be like, 
Oh fuck no! This is the best. Mm-hmm. Where it's um, this is a spoiler for the first season, but there's so uh, much good. There's uh, so much good this. stuff. Cover your ears. Cover your ears. Uh, but like, <laughs> there's um, it's a moment at the end of the. Just uh, humming a song you like. Yeah, it's a moment <laughs> at the end of the first baby. season where um, Hannibal kind of like pulls his strings and fucks everything up and puts Will Graham behind bars in his place. <laughs> and it's this moment where like Hannibal's walking down. <laughs> the, yeah, no, nah, cover your ears. Hannibal's walking down the uh, the corridor yeah, towards yeah, yeah. the cell. Same as like the classic shot of the FBI agent in all the films, mm. except it's Will Graham behind the cell and Hannibal on the other mm. side. And this song is playing, Vide Cormain, which was written for the film. Uh, Hannibal. And I wish he could be humming that song right I now. I started, I was watching that scene and I was like, this is like an inversion of this franchise I've always loved. I started crying. Oh, well done. I started fucking crying. I was like, holy fuck, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And from then on, I was fucking sold. And that whole story was meant to be a pitch for James, who's um, covering his ears and humming. You're good. Oh. You're good. You're good. See, what I like about it. Don't be on Hannibal. Good. Okay. All right. I just want to talk about the moment that made me cry. And now I've spoken about it. See, what I like about Hannibal, the TV series. Wait. No spoilers. No spoilers. But each season, like, you know, season one, two, and three, it just changes. It changes exactly what it is. There's no status quo. Or to a lesser extent, community. <laughs> but mainly the wire. Um, There's no status quo though. Like it just yeah, that's great. The, I love the that. circumstance. It's, it's not Dexter it's where it stays exactly the same like every the year. I'm um, sick of Dexter. Even though it's Dexter. over. Well, you guys have talked about that. Yeah, oh, I was a piece of shit. <laughs> um, Fuck other, that show. So now that unfortunately Hannibal is has been cancelled, and no one's picking. Oh, every up. time you say it's like a I know, thing. You know, my my housemate posted this thing on my wall a couple of days ago, where it's like saying that Hugh Dancy's picked up a new show. And I posted this thing on my wall, just being like with a thing above it saying, happy birthday. And I saw it and I actually got really angry. I was like, stop rubbing salt in this wound. Like it's, I I know, I know because I die. I refresh Hannibal every day on my news tab. All right. So I know that Hugh Dancy's moved on to another show. Stop. It it hurts. I've never had a show canceled on me. I've never had my show canceled on me before. And it, it hurts. This Welcome, is what right? Firefly fans must feel like. Yeah, this yeah. is what, you know, when I saw Firefly, it was already long cancelled. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't cancelled. It wasn't cancelled from out from under me when there was so much good stuff. I remember the yet. day I found out Hannibal was cancelled was, like, I was in a pretty emotional place <laughs> to begin with because my partner had left for, like, a, a two and a half week long holiday, which is apparently is too long for me to not uh-huh, see there him. there you go. Um, and now so he left. Yeah, and, so, and he yeah. left and I was like. You're pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> so so, 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 so I called him like two days later. I was like, I miss you. Um, but he left and I was like, bye, sad. Um, and as I was like leaving his house, I saw that Hannibal was cancelled. And I was like, today just sucks. Today <laughs> Way is to just kick the me while I'm down NBC. And then I was just like looking at the Hannibal thing and I was like, bit sad about that. Bit more sad about that. Then my partner going away. <laughs> he'll come back. Hannibal won't. But and he, no, I'm not done okay, with right, this right. story game. You go, you go. Continue. And then I get home and I find out that my great uncle had died. Oh. And my my dad told me, he's like, your great uncle has died. Like the funeral's next week, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, still more sad about Hannibal. Right. Oh, then I was like, rank the sadness levels. As a- Hannibal, if you had one way to live and you could choose one of those three things, <laughs> your boyfriend, your great uncle or Hannibal. I would Ooh. choose the... Mm. We we know we're just not going to say it on air, but we know which one. Yeah, you're it's, it's, it's like I like my brain was like your boyfriend, and I was like, no, I got to think about this. There's a hanging over that story, and I think we all know what it is. See, I, I wish I'd had your acceptance because when I saw it, my brother sent me a text being like, mm. "Hannibal's been cancelled," and I saw it. I woke up in the morning, I was hungover, and I read it, and I was like, 
No, it hasn't. <laughs> I went back to bed. And then I kind of read it again no, yes. when I woke up. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, it'll be fine. It's 2015. Like, cancelled shows get renewed all the time. Oh, exactly. Like, community, like, Arrested Netflix, Development. Netflix will get Netflix it. Netflix will pick it up. Yahoo will pick it up. Yahoo will pick it up. Family Guy came back. It, it, they all come back, don't family they? Family like, with a vengeance. And then, Several times. And I was like, Hannibal will be fine. It's a big cult hit. It's got a big following. It'll be, it'll be uh, Amazon's past. Yeah. Netflix has passed. Hulu's what? And Hugh Dancy signed on to something else. Mads Mikkelsen got released from his contract. Brian Fuller's gone off to make American Gods. Hannibal's not coming back. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what Mads is going to do. Though. He should just keep know, doing right, I'm excited Hannibal. for that. Nah, have you um, watched The Hunt? Oh my god! Holy October? fuck! That man can yes, act. That like, movie. That man can. Mads Mikkelsen's act. classic, The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> you know what? It's not that good a movie. I'm just going to say. It. I'll put it out there. The, the, hunt the Hunt is. What is it? He does a great Russian accent. Is it? He does a great Russian accent through. It's a Danish film where Mads Mikkelsen plays a school teacher, a kindergarten teacher, who basically, you know, he's a divorced kind of single parent. Um, it's everyone... kindergarten cop, isn't it? It's the no, Danish no, version. I'm just joking. Everyone loves him. Everyone loves him until one little girl who's a little cunt. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, I've lies of... yeah. and says that Mad Mickelson touched her, and then everyone hates him. And the whole film is about him dealing with the ramifications and him just trying to maintain his yeah. dignity. And holy fuck, because she is that a lying little cunt. Act. Like it's at, at no point is sorry. <laughs> Small children, and you're not all lying little cunts, just this one. Um, nah, but at no point in the film is it like, oh, did he do it? He did, he didn't do no, it. There's no, there's no question. No, like, you know that he didn't do it, so you're so on his side. But then there's the bit where the little girl tries to tell mm. the truth. Mm. In fact, really early on, actually, she yeah. tries to tell the truth, and nobody believes her because, like, you know, there's a bit where psychologist questions her, and she's kind of like, she just told a dumb lie like kids do, yeah. and she didn't even know what she was saying. Like, she basically just, like, repeated something her brother had they, said to her? It was like she had a little crush on him, Mads. Mm. She had a little crush on him, and he was, like, obviously not reciprocating it. So she kind of, to get some more attention of, out of him, told this lie, and then... Oof. Not knowing what it... Yeah, not, not knowing, knowing what, what the implications were. And there's a bit where she tries to come clean to her dad, and, like, the bit where, like, the psychologist questions her, and they're like, you know, did he touch you? And she's like, no, no. And the psychologist's like, no, you can tell us the truth. Mm. And she's like, no, 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 he didn't. And the psychologist's like, no, you can... You can tell us the truth, yeah. and basically, because the moment that's out there, the suspicions on him, and like, and you know, it, it, I won't say what the ending is, but yeah. it gets to a point where you kind of realize that it's never going to go away. No, like yeah. no matter what happens, and it, his performance, it's like the most you, you thing can't, I've you can only seen. watch it once. Like I've only seen it once, but I would say pretty easily that it's one of the best, if not the best, acting performance I've ever seen in I my life. Have a guess at the ending. Oh, it's it's just it it's haunting. It's oh, fucking horny. <laughs> um, so getting back to the fact that, yes, unfortunately, <laughs> it is cancelled. Uh, what would be the logical conclusion Because to the Hannibal story? Because I know it's sort of like they can't really keep going after the books have well, been done. It ends with Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy making out and Zoe's a happy little girl. <laughs> the thing is, like... I've, that's every story of yours. End of film. <laughs> I, I know that I said before that like it's a perfect trilogy if you ignore Hannibal Rising, but I want a book four. Yes, a book four, not a book five, a book four. Book four after Red Dragon, Science Slams, Hannibal, and a book four that hasn't come out yet. Um, because there's this logical ending for it that I always saw, and I know the ending is good as it is, but... I always kind of had this feeling, even when I was a kid, where, you know, Will Graham yeah. disappears after the first book. Because you know the ending then, of Hannibal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, well, they, like well, yeah in, Clarice yeah. gets drugged and they run yeah. away together mm-hmm. and, and it ends dancing. with the two of them dancing, which is why that would be my end for Hannibal Rising, because it kind Beautiful. of mirrors it. See, yeah. yeah. Um, but it ends with the two of them dancing there. And I thought, give me a book four where Will Graham 
washed up, alcoholic, mm. fucked in the head, disfigured Will Graham, finds out that Hannibal Lecter not only has escaped, but has escaped and taken Jack Crawford's new protege off and done to her what Hannibal could never do to Will Graham and have Will be like, no, you could even have Jack, because like Clarice disappears and Jack Crawford is still alive when Clarice disappears. Jack knows she's gone off with Hannibal. And then Jack dies of a heart attack. Like, fucking bring it back. Have Jack Crawford, like, come to Will Graham and say, I need you. Like, I know, I know last time you got stabbed in the face. And I know the time <laughs> before times. that you got gutted. <laughs> and I know I know things have gone a little bit shit for you. Every yeah, time. You are, you are 90% like, scar tissue yeah. as we speak. But please come, come back in the field and find Clarice. Because Jack Crawford and Clarice this always have this father-daughter relationship, right? That, that makes sense. Like, Jack Crawford would be like, what other option do I have? He's been kicked out of the FBI by the end of the novel Hannibal or mandatory retirement or something. But, like, you know, have him just be like, Go back to Will Graham, who's still around, just say, I need you to do this. And Will Graham's like, no, get fucked. Like, actually, fuck you. Jack Crawford dies of a heart attack. Will Graham's, like, sitting in his shitty little apartment, like, just drinking his ass off, like, on the news. You know, Hannibal Lecter and Clarice Starling still at large, whatever. And Will Graham's like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to fucking hunt him down. Fat alcohol bloat. Have him, like, have washed up, alcoholic, overweight, beer belly Will Graham, like, getting back on the scene and coming after Hannibal and Clarice and make that the fucking ending of the whole thing. And that's what Fuller said his ending would be of the TV series. He was like, if he could get the rights to Clarice, he would bring it to the conclusion and then he would have Will Graham hunting down Clarice and Hannibal as the ending for his show. Imagine how fucking good good that would be. Would would you watch that movie with (laughs) Anthony Hopkins and uh, what's his name? Edward Norton. Oh, if it was the only yes. way. <laughs> it's like, it's like I the, liked the remake. It's like and, with Game of Thrones and Julian now. Moore, I like that game as well. Yeah. It's or like Jodie Foster switching the roles every scene. Yeah. Like, but I haven't seen Manhunter, so look, I, yeah. Yeah, like it's Manhunter. Like if you, if you could do it with William Peterson from Manhunter and Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster, like sign me up for all of that. Would that be but, weird if you were like, they switch out. They nah, fuck it. Fuck it. No, fuck it. Fuck it. No, doesn't matter for the books. Man. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, but it's like, you know, with the new season of Game of Thrones, which is overtaking the books, it's like, well, I'm going to find out what happens in the show before I find out what happens in the books. But like, if this is the only way I'm going to find out, you know, before 10 years from now, then I guess I'm going to have to take it. And if they make that movie, like at least just like, you know, fuck off the, just bring back the actors who you already recast, but like, mm. just bring back those again. Sure. Like do it. Sign me up. I'd be totally, I would, I will give, Ten dollars to that Kickstarter right <laughs> now. If someone wants to make I was it, say why don't they crowdfund this? At well, least they're actually a... talking about um crowdfunding a movie continuation of the TV show. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. kind Sorry. of. What they said um I think at but the it's, moment it's, it's more of a rights issue because it's they... more of a rights issue. Yeah. But I'm going to cling on to this tiny thread of hope where Fuller has said he will revisit like people because he says it like he wants people to see the ending of his season three. Okay, because he's like that. He says it will work as an ending for the whole show, but he's like, it kicks off a really good season four that I really want to do. Oh, no, don't so he's say like, I know, that. I know, I know. But he's saying the thin thread of hope is that he says he will look at like movie options and look at revisiting options for continuations once people have seen the ending of season three, yeah. which implies to me that it's going to be so batshit fucking awesome that everybody who's ever seen this show ever will throw all of their money at a Kickstarter. Please I let will. that happen. And he will. Yeah, oh, that, that would be that would be good. I would give I would give all my money. I would, would I would want... work extra shifts to make money <laughs> to fund that film. Personally. Would you want, say, Will Graham, Clarice, and Hannibal to almost have like a like a three-way showdown, but then to sort of have But also a three-way? Also th- but, uh, but I think we all know that's kind of where it's going, yeah. right? But like, yeah, yeah, but to have Hannibal almost seduce Will back to his side, or would you want oh, And then Clarice jealousy? Or like what, oh, what, like, what would you really want to do like, with that? Because you could always have there's Clarice in the middle there, you have Will Graham on the side of angels in a sense and you got Hannibal well, clearly the devil and the, then kind of that 
thing you kind of have to remember with this ending, and it depends on whether we're going TV show or books, because in the TV show, in the books, that whole relationship between um, Hannibal and Will that the TV show explores just isn't there. Mm. Like in the books, like in the movie, Red Dragon implies they've known each other for a while. In the book, they've met like twice before Will figures out Hannibal and gets gutted. Mm. But you can actually infer a lot of that relationship by the fact that Will Graham clearly knows that Hannibal gets him and that he gets Hannibal. And that's Mm. a big aspect of the novel Red Dragon. So you can can keep that. So I would have, like, you know, Will Graham tracks it. It doesn't get violent straight away. Like, imagine the three of them having dinner. Like, Mm. sitting down having a dinner party and kind of being like, you know, we know that blood is going to be spilled. We know that shit's going to, like, fuck up. But Hannibal, you know, maybe Will's, like, restrained. Maybe. Maybe. But I don't even think he needs to be. Mm. Like, I think Will would willingly... ah, Willingly. uh, Will would willingly, (laughs) like, come to that table and sit there and just, like, engage and play the head games. Because, like, you know, for Will to defeat Hannibal, I guess, he has to play the head games. Mm. And, like, I mean, I, I think, you know, Will Graham... If Hannibal Lecter is going to die, Will Graham has to be the one to do it. But I also, I don't know, like I, it, dep- it really depends on where you put Clarice Starling in all this, doesn't it? Because mm. yeah, I don't want Will Graham to like waltz in and rescue Clarice Starling. No. If there's one thing Clarice Starling is not and has never been, it's a damsel in distress. So the kind of question at the end of Hannibal is like, how much is she doing this of her own volition? And how much is she doing this because she's been conditioned? And the implication in the novel is that it's kind of half and half. Like that this idea that, you know, that, that she's been fucked and like fucked over and like shat on by the FBI and everything. And by this point, she's like, well, fuck it. This is the only home I've got. But she would not have come to that conclusion on her own. Like Hannibal has drugged her and opened her mind to the point where she's like, well, I can do this. But it sort of implies that like by the time of the ending where it ends with the two of them dancing on the terrace, that like she's sort of there mm. of her own volition. But it's Didn't kept we get a little such bit a... vague. Didn't we, like, it, at least in the TV show, get a really good example of that? With, with Bedelia. Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. That's what, well, that we're riffing on that. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Yeah. If Veronica just... Mars can get a movie. Hannibal definitely can. And, and, and that was a bad yeah. movie. For someone who loved it, Veronica uh, Mars. I haven't seen the show or the movie. And X-Files really is good. coming back for six episodes. Oh, don't do yeah. that. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, Ma- it's, it's Scully and Mulder. Yeah, still, don't do that. No, it's okay. We all loved we the got... movie with Billy Connolly. I was okay yeah. with that. Wet Hot, that was good. Wet Hot, that came back. That was great. Futurama came back. I liked the rest of development season four. No, Futurama, my issue with that is like it ended on that really beautiful note where it was like like when the first one was cancelled and you got Fry playing the hollow phone thing. Yeah. And making real shitty, like, three-year-old drawings of him and Leela. And it's like, look, they're not together, but they might be. And this is nice to leave it. And it was beautiful. Mm. And then we just had to, they had to keep redoing that ending every single season because they just didn't know if it was going to be renewed or not. And that, to me, sort of wrecked drama. Yeah, that's fairly yeah, true, yeah. Great series. Even the mm. last one where it's like. I haven't watched fr- the final season. Oh. I'm like, I'm waiting. I was like, oh. Keep yeah. that in my back pocket. Like, it, it ends it... <laughs> For a rainy day. Yeah. <laughs> it ends it, but then at the very end, it resets that ending. Ah. Uh. And, like, it, it could... It just should have ended at that, like... <laughs> Without any spoilers, if you're ever going to watch it, like it should have ended where that. <laughs> so it's not time, no, no, no. Um, it should have ended where it did, um, except there's this sort of um, when they reset it, that they should have just had it in their back pocket yeah. if they were to ever reset the whole series again or they were got renewed from the season to start with that reset rather than end with that reset, if mm. that makes sense. And trying to be vague here. Um, yeah, sure. So for those who've seen Futurama, like, yeah. yeah. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> Reset. Going back to Hannibal Rising. Uh-huh. Why? Circle the what? No, what? Hannibal Rising. <laughs> the what? 
<laughs> I wish every show. Uh, that's that's my goal for this season to mention the why in every episode. I am going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> every if I can relate it back to the why, I will. That's right. my promise to you, listeners. Zoe. I'm going to come in this studio next time with a gun, with one bullet for you and one for me. Yeah. You <laughs> first. All right, cool. And then, like you know, my death spasm. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but um, there was just one thing that I I really want to say that that really really made me um dislike this film is that. Hannibal is is really creepy looking and he's not in any of the other interpretations of him except in this in Hannibal Rising he's very uncomfortable to look at cuz he's Yeah, a, he doesn't have a great face, does he? he but no, but that's the thing. <laughs> I've seen whatever the actor's French name is in other shit and He's not a bad looking man. It's the face not. he makes. Like he's it's, got this Yeah, weird like he's a sneering. sexy man who makes Abs. an ugly face oh. <laughs> in about. this film and it's like the whole time you're watching it, you're like, uh, like I, at least I was thinking, I'm like, if I walked into a room and that guy was in the room, I'd be like, oh, yeah, the murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, I got it. I, got, I, I, I figured this, it out. I've solved this, this kind of sneer he's got he's all, the, that, all the time. He's weirdly yeah. breezy. His hair looks wet the entire time. Dry your hair, mate. It just, but it's, it's, blow dry, buddy. it's just like there's so much gel that the gel constantly looks wet. He constantly looks like he's dripping gel sweat. It's just this whole nasty thing. And I get that it's like it's he's young and he's awkward and mm. like a, I don't even think that's the, that's what they're going no, for. Like, I think it's a bad impersonation just, of Anthony Hopkins. It's oh, okay. so like, painful. He's got the slicked back. Yeah, exactly. And it's because I think I read. Actually, no. I watched the Crazy. when when I got my DVD of Hannibal Rising, and I watched yeah. the. Yeah, still have I, it? No, I don't anymore. Oh, man. I I bought one. I bought one, and there is. It's like, like six bucks at JV Hi-Fi. It, it was, yeah. and, but there was like Might about twenty four. minutes worth of trailers that I couldn't skip. Oh, fuck yeah! That oh, made me hate this film DVD. more. <laughs> And they wonder why we pirate. But yeah. there's this um, yeah, there's a mutant went away. It might be on the DVD or somewhere, maybe sort of somewhere else. There's an interview with him where he basically says, you know, that he watched Science of the Lambs fifty times to get no. the character. And I was like, no, do your own interpretation, yeah. man. Yeah, like, buddy. Make you know, you, this is like Hannibal forty, maybe I don't know how many years before Red Dragon. Mm. Like you know, you can he can afford to be different. Be he different. doesn't have yeah. to be. In fact, you almost want him to be different because this is the problem with prequels. They try and just shoehorn yeah, exactly. who you are at age fifty to be who you are it's, at age twenty, and you are too wildly different. It's funny, people. like, the, the final Very note I think you can make on Hannibal Rising, like, I went out and I bought my Hannibal Blu-ray set a couple of years ago. Did it come with and, Hannibal um, Rising? No, it's uh, it, I actually checked the date on the back. It came out in 2011. So it's a good uh, four years after Hannibal Rising came out, this DVD set was released. So Hannibal Rising did exist. It was a thing that we knew was in the world. Yeah. It wasn't like this set just came out in 2007 to tie in with it. Um, 2011, the set came out, and the set has a big old picture of Anthony Hopkins on the front, and it says across the top in really big fuck you letters, the Hannibal Lecter Trilogy. <laughs> and that's kind of where Hannibal Rising sits with even the people who produce the DVDs yeah. and DVD sets of these films. Huh. So, yeah, um, well, that's, that's the legacy of that one. Huh. And on that note... Luckily, the TV show saved it. Thank you. I've been Joel. That got cancelled. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I've been Gabe. I've been Zoe. I've been James. Um, I guess let's go home and watch I'm gonna the bloody last watch Hannibal. Is it on Netflix? Not yet. It's on Stan. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I watched all the movies this week. I feel great. Did you watch Manhunter? I didn't watch Manhunter. And you didn't watch all the movies? I didn't watch is that, that wasn't in the trilogy, was it? No, it wasn't. No, yeah, it wasn't yeah. in the trilogy. But it's like, I went Anthony yeah. Hopkins style. DVD double pack. It's Michael Mann, so I really want to watch it. There's a set you can get somewhere that's actually got Manhunter instead of Red Dragon. Okay. I was like, that's a good set. Have No, I'm sorry. 
The, I have a soft spot for Red Dragon. I have such a soft spot for Red Dragon because it is like one of the pivotal movies that I saw in my childhood where I was like, this defines mine and my brother's relationship because we watched it together. Not in that way, but we watched it together <laughs> when it was... a film to share. No, it was just like one of those situations where like, I think I must have been about 13 or something, so he would have been about 11 and it was on TV one night. And so we just watched it because... We were just watching TV. You wanted to see a man eat a painting. No, it wasn't even that. It just was on and we missed... We missed that happened, the... right? Yeah. <laughs> no, we missed the first five minutes, so we had no idea what was going on. So we just kind of flicked it on. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, I don't know what's going on. We're going to watch this movie. We have a couple of movies that we've done this to that have scarred us. Good. But this one... Made it. This one, to the point when... Like, we saw it and we are like, what a good movie. To the point where now, at 20 and 22, I'll walk into a room and I'll be like, do you see... And he'll just be like, do you see? And it's just like one of those weird things that we've just kept. Awesome. <laughs> and it's it's an enjoyable little it's, thing. It's actually, it's not a bad I film like that until film. you I see Manhunter. Shh, don't tell me. I've seen That's... Manhunter though, but I'm just oh, like, you have? yeah. Oh, I thought you had it. No, I, I, I oh. like, I, like, it's a situation where I'm like, I've seen it, but it was like in the background. All yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, you did. You mentioned it with Bruce yeah. Ladies before. Yes, no, that's right. Um. I don't know, I just, uh, so we fell asleep about 20 minutes in and then saw the last two minutes. It actually, it was a great film. It actually really <laughs> depends like, on what you prefer. Like, if you want, like, you know, Science of Lamb style than Red Dragon, but, like, if you want... I know, I, I just prefer Darker Will Graham. Yeah. So, like, that, that's my big problem with Red that's Dragon. Right. I, I, think, I think for me, Edward I'm just Norton. so nostalgic for yeah, Red fair Dragon fair that, that anything else... I'm like, but Red Dragon is great. So... Yeah. And it's just, it's just, like, it's not to me being like, this is the pinnacle of cinema i'm just like this movie i really enjoyed it's actually a good film though and yeah yeah and it's it's a good time for me and every time i watch it i have a good laugh like i watched it with tess the other night and i was like (laughs) the best scene ever is coming up and she was like okay and she watched the do Do you see see? and she was just like "Eh." i think the first 10 minutes are the best scene it's just an intense film but i'd miss oh then when he gets captured where he he stabs bloody and then like the the danny elfman score like over like the dollar hides oh danny danny elfman okay that is a good credit. That is a good opening credit. Is he it's the cello player or something? Yeah, there's um, yeah, the guy like playing the flute, the flutist, mm. yeah, the flutist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. and feeds him to the symphony board. Hannibal, you scamp, <laughs> <laughs> you little angel. <laughs> If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now, but I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. But yeah, no crate, no pee-pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? (sighs) Get Pet Essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 